Hey, good morning. You listen to the drive home. Good morning, my weary travelers. Good morning. It is a dark, wet morning. Barely can see the road. I got the heat on. Defrosters for the front window. Hoping that'll clear the way. I got my brights on. Because when I sit, switch them off, I can barely see. 10 feet in front of me, if that. You know, plenty of times we put all kinds of things in place in order for help us to see better, help us to be able to navigate more efficiently. But no matter how many lights, how many types of things we put in place to help us to see what's in front of us, we never can see what's coming around the corner. We have to be ready for that. The Bible says, be alert and self-controlled. The devil prowls around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. You don't know what's around that corner. Does it mean that you take your foot off the gas? No. No, it does not mean that. It does not mean you take your foot off the gas, though we may be tempted to. The Bible also tells us in regards to that, that they overcame him, who is the devil, by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony, and that they did not. love their lives as to shrink from death as to back up they did not take their foot off the gas so I want to encourage you as I am encouraging myself this morning many times when we are trying to encourage others we're actually encouraging ourselves. I am uh, continually, I'm reminded of how little I have in as far as control over my life. You know, this uh, weekend was in between for me. I spent one day in bed. Due to pain in my jaw, the TMD, which brought on migraines. And this morning it's sore, it hurts a little bit, it's not too bad, it's a little achy to talk. Pain is, is one of those things. I don't know who has described pain enough. I mean, how could I? Would that be adequate? Or would I be adequate in my expression? And why would I want to explain it to the degree that I think? Is it so that you could feel sorry for me? Or is it so that I can show you that I can relate to your pain? TMD, for me, 
can start with a dull ache in my lower jaw joints, the TMJ. Just a dull ache, like you've been chewing food for too long. And as that dull ache continues, it it just goes on throughout the day and then like anything like a water on a rock there's an erosion that takes place an erosion of my resolve and it wears you down just like water wears down a rock to the point where you're tired physically yawning hard to keep your head up straight you just want to lay down and go to sleep but for me many times laying down and going to sleep does not the answer because the pain is still there when I wake up and sometimes the pain has traveled now not just in my lower jaw but now it's up around my well it's called that temporal temporalis which is a muscle around the eye area it fans out like a seashell and the ache is now turned into a sharp pain as if my eyeball was trying to push its way out of my head and then that pain only intensifies which makes me feel nauseated. I want to vomit, but I know that if I vomit, it's only going to make the pain worse. So I close my eyes, and I buckle down, and I ride the ride that I was, that I don't want to be on. For the most part, being a man of faith, I've turned to God and I've asked Him for healing hundreds of times. I've claimed healing like the Word of Faith people. I've asked for healing like we're told to do. I've believed for healing like we're told to believe. And there's no... uh, the healing has not come. And if you've ever been in a situation like that where your body is racked with pain or a sickness or a disease or something and you've prayed and prayed and others have prayed for you and you know the woman with the issue of blood that went on for years, she went to the doctors and no one could give her relief. There was no cure. And then she reached out her hand and she touched the the garment of Jesus as he was walking by through a crowd of people and instantly she was healed and I thought about that I thought about that myself I thought about that in a more metaphorical way that as I reached out by faith to touch him that he would heal me but the healing hasn't come 
And it wasn't until recently that I finally have gotten some kind of, I don't know if it's wisdom or simply direction, but it lines up with my spirit. My wife told me, she said she prayed for me and she got a word from the Lord. My wife has gotten a word from the Lord before and, and things have definitely have checked out. So there's no reason why she would be saying these things to me if, if it was not so. And if you're a believer, you do believe that God does give words. God uses his word to speak to us and he speaks to us through his spirit. And the word that she was given was a thorn in the flesh. And I said to myself, son of a bitch. Because that word, I know exactly what, what that word is saying to me. At least in the moment. In my heart, in my spirit, I knew what that word was saying to me. And I, and I dug into that word and I looked into the scriptures and I looked into the, the, the area around that word and I looked at the context of the word and, the, and I looked at exactly what it was that Paul was saying when he said that word. And he was talking about something very interesting that we don't necessarily think on much, I don't think. Maybe, maybe you do. Uh, I could be wrong. But it talks about when Paul speaks of someone who went to the third heaven which makes you wonder about the first and the second heaven there's a fourth and a fifth a sixth, eighth Dante's inferno and of different levels of hell perhaps Dante was influenced by what Paul said about the third heaven we know that they talk about the heavens above us the skies and then the stars but this is way before those types of things were known. Astronomy and the atmosphere, the hemisphere, the stratosphere. So, okay, I don't know, could you, I get it that you're turning, but come on, man. So all of these things that are in place that, that we know now, Paul didn't know those things then, but he's speaking of the third heaven. And when he speaks of the third heaven, he says, I know of someone, though I, I can't say who, who basically had went to the third heaven and saw things that they could not speak of. And then he says, whether he was in his body or out of his body, I could not tell. But he's speaking so elusively. He's speaking in almost an, a very, just an abstract way. But there's something very personal about what he's saying. And you know that the way that he's saying it, that he's speaking of himself, basically that he went to the third heaven, he saw things that were too great or wonderful for him to even utter or express, 
but because he saw the things that he saw, he then talks about how he was given a thorn in the flesh, a thorn in the side, and references the enemy, Satan. But then he says this thing that he's prayed to get rid of, but it would not go away. And then he says that in this verse, many of us know this verse, but that speaking of the Lord, that his grace is sufficient for me, that his power is made perfect through my weakness. Through my weakness, which means that weakness is a necessity. And what's the weakness in this situation? Paul speaks of a thorn in the side, a thorn in the flesh. There's many speculations on what that could be. The importance is not based on what that affliction is. The importance is based on the the truth that Paul speaks of is that his grace is sufficient for me. It doesn't matter why I have the thorn in the side. It doesn't matter how great the thorn in the side afflicts me. It doesn't matter how much pain and how much misery is brought on by this thing. What matters is that His grace is sufficient for me. In the context of this, we're not talking about the affliction itself. We're not spending time talking about how much pain and sorrow and suffering and hurt it brings on. These are not the things that are are meditated on here. These are not the things that are meditated on here. What we meditate on here is that His grace is sufficient for me. His power is made perfect through my weakness. And when I heard this word that was given to me from my wife, this thorn in the side, (coughs) like, excuse me, many times we don't necessarily follow through and read the whole context in the scripture and what it is, but I, I learned long time ago that it's very important to understand the context in which in which it was written <coughs> excuse me to the audience to whom it was intended to be given to and the full circle what, what what's talked about before in and what's talked about after in not just the scripture by itself Yeah, you see me. There's no reason to be pulling out in front of me. So, in this, if, if we look at it from that this perspective, then we see that Paul was telling us that he has seen things that are too great or wonderful for him. And to keep him humble, to keep him humble, 
He's been given this thorn in the flesh, this thorn in the side. And even even though he's been given this thing and this thing is 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 is, is annoying and painful and despairing and discouraging and wears you out there is a grace that is also made available to him there's a grace that is sufficient for him there's something beautiful about that yes this thing causes me great heartache and sorrow and yes it is difficult to live with but there is a grace that is sufficient for me that comes from my Father in heaven. And he knows. Yo, you didn't even stop at the stop sign. Are you serious? You did not even stop at the stop sign. The hill has been pretty wet and my car has been sliding up going up this hill. Come on now. Come on. You got this. You got this. Come on. There you go. There you go. So, in the context of that, in the context of of what was happening with Paul and the reason for it, and we see that there's power is made perfect through my weakness. His power is made perfect. Perfect. God says that he opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble and his grace is sufficient for me. Grace to the humble. There is truly nothing humbling as, as much as your when your body doesn't do what you want it to do. When you as a person cannot can even control your body. There's there's truly nothing as humbling as when you lack the ability to do what you want to do and your body is racked with pain and you can't make it stop. It's not even the things you say. It's not even the things you do. It's simply your very existence is rocked. That's humbling. It's very humbling. When your wife has to take care of you and not the other way around it's humbling with something like food that you normally eat whatever you want you don't think twice about what you put in your mouth and you have to accept the fact that you have to eat softer foods you have to cut up your foods a little bit more those things are very real world humbling man eats what he wants does what he wants that's what we're taught and yet a man full of pride and God opposes the proud opposes stands in against stands against God, the creator of the universe, God, the, the, the reason why we even have any concept of what holiness is, God, pure and perfect being, 
Almighty, the beginning, the end, the one who said, and it was God opposes the proud, stands against the proud, but gives grace, gives grace to the humble, gives grace. He gives grace to the humble. This very God, the one that we speak of, gives grace to the humble. Grace is sufficient for me. Which then leads us into a more daring thought, and not even a thought, but an application. Is that in order, in order to turn away from ourselves, we must, we must do something different. And in this context, I'm being told that His grace is sufficient for me. So there was points in times on Saturday as I laid in bed in pain and my boy asked me to play basketball with him. I was able to get up and go outside with him on the basketball court. Give him what he asked for, the grace. And then I would come back inside and lay back down in pain. That happened several times on Saturday. My wife massaging my jaws, massaging my, my forehead, my temples, putting on music and putting oils on my head. These things were the grace that was extended to me. You gotta get out the, the umbrella. You're listening to The Drive Home with your host, Dale Colford, and uh, this is The Drive Home, and I'm 
not driving home, I'm driving to work. But I figured I would hit you all up early this morning. I love the fallback. You know, when they do the daylight savings time, things start moving back. Hey, we're driving by uh, on my favorite, my favorite guy, the pallet guy. Let me tell you guys about the pallet guy, okay? I'm gonna try to paint the picture for you for those that have no idea what I'm talking about. Imagine someone living in a house and this house is surrounded by wooden pallets. You know, the pallets that you see at Walmart at night when you're there later. Now, of course, they're bringing them out earlier with the whole COVID thing. But these pallets, these wooden pallets, this the pallet guy's got pallets stacked all around his house. I call it the pallet palace. All right, so the pallet palace has pallets all around his house. Now, when I say all around his house, I do not mean like he has a li little single layer of pallets around his house. I mean he has stacks and stacks of pallets. Now, there are many questions you might be asking. Uh, one of those might be, what does he do with the pallets? I will tell you that, very simple. He's a, he's a single cell organism, okay? He's very simple. He stacks the pallets. That's what he does. If you have ever seen Wally, what does Wally do with all of the garbage? What's he do? He compacts it into little cubes and then he stacks the cubes, right? This is what Pallet Guy does. Pallet Guy stacks the pallets. That's it. I have watched the pallets grow over the years. They stretch around his entire property. Pallets stretch around his entire property. Probably, I would say, 10 to 12 feet high. It's like a private fence of pallets at the Pallet Palace. Now, I've never spoken to Pallet Guy. I, I could say Pallet Guy could be a Pallet Girl, but I'm gonna go on a whim and say no. Pallet Guy's a Pallet Guy. I've never seen Pallet Guy. And I've never seen one pallet disappear. I've watched the pallets grow. I've seen them grow and they have not changed over the years, except they've increased in size and quantity. All right? So what I've been noticing, a couple of, uh, of um, uh, points of interest. One is that he has a truck. That might be too much information. You might search him up now. How do I find the pallet guy? You know what I'm going to do? I'm actually going to look up on Google Earth. I might find the pallet guy without any pallets on his property. With no pallets around the pallet palace. It's possible. I'm not sure. We'll find out. But I know where he lives because I, obviously I drive by it every day. The thing is, is that he also has a truck and this truck has pallets on it. Usually always, always, it's always parked in the driveway. Now, let me, let me preface this. The driveway is not drivable, okay? There's so many pallets that there is no possible way to get his car into his driveway. So he just kind of sticks it into this pallet wedge. He must have to climb over the pallets in order to get into his house. I'm not making this up. This is not an exaggeration. And around the pallets, there are seminal trails to be able to stack more pallets. 
but they are very narrow and overgrown with grass because it's got to be difficult to kind of mow or weed whack around all of these pallets. Now, he has a truck. Now, the truck has pallets on top of the bed of the truck. And this is what I realized the other day. The truck has pallets on top of the bed of the truck and the pallets are at least 10 to 12 feet high on the back of the pickup truck. If you were driving down the road, if you knew you were picking up pallets and you had to go somewhere else with them and you were driving down the road, we got a deer, hold on a second. A couple of deer, a couple of doe. If, uh, if you were driving down the road, you would never ever stack the pallets this high, okay? So here's the theory, I didn't even think about this. It's possible that when he gets home with these pallets and he unloads them, that he puts the pallets back on the truck because if not, it would seem like they were out of place because everything else has a pallet on every ground inch square inch of his property has a pallet on it not to mention some shopping carts he has shopping carts uh he has about 15 to 20 shopping carts you know you guys are thinking i'm 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 i'm, I'm spying on his place and i'm driving and I'm, I'm hiding in the woods behind a tree with binoculars i don't own binoculars it's it's it, it's 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 eye level when you drive by, you can see the shopping carts. When you drive by, you can see the pallets. I'm not having to go underneath Constantina wire or go through some ditches and, 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 and cross through a searchlight area. Now, he does have uh, cameras, or at least he has the signs on his property that says there are hidden cameras. Because those pallets obviously are very important to him. Because this is what he does every day, is the pallets. And he continues to add to his pallet palace now here is the other interesting part there is now a car parked behind his truck at the pallet palace now in order for this car to get parked behind it it has to park horizontal to the back of his truck because there is absolutely no room. The road does not allow for someone to park. You have to think, I live in rural America, okay? I live in rural America. So the roads are different. It's not just like he lives in town and you can just park on a street. There's no street. It's just a road and it, it doesn't afford to be able to park it. And what's interesting is I think they could park it on the side of the road, but they don't. They park it very intimately behind the pickup truck. That's right, yeah. So what I'm getting to is I'm thinking the Pallet Palace guy has met a possible Pallet girl. It's very possible that uh, Palace Pallet guy has met a Pallet girl. And I don't know what she, I, I imagine like she must, you know, either one, she's just, she meets him where he's at, you know? She just accepts him for who he is. But inwardly inside, she's hoping that she can change him. That maybe one day he'll turn some of these pallets into tables or chairs or something like that. You know, she's hoping for the best. The other part is it's possible that she might totally be all aboard and be on this whole pallet palace thing. And she might be out there with him getting these pallets, wherever he might be getting them from. Because I have no idea where he's getting these pallets from. And I'm thinking to myself, 
what business just provides these pallets for him? And maybe it's his uh, grandfather has a, you know, a wood business or factory business and has these extra pallets. I have all these theories of what's possible and how. What is it about the pallet that makes it so special to this person? What is it about the pallet that makes it com so compelling that this person, which is enviable, I must say, enviable, because he has one pur purpose. I have one purpose when I leave today, go get pallets. That is it. That is it. Life-sustaining, feed myself, have shelter, and get a pallet. And now he must be reaching a point of self-actualization because he's become so good at, at retrieving pallets. And I'm telling you, he's good at it because he has a ton of them. He's so good at retrieving pallets that he has made it somehow the next part of Maslow's hierarchy of needs that he has a relationship with someone, all theory, and this person sees the value of them and commits themselves to spending time with him and possibly retrieving pallets with him for their... Uh, for the Pallet Palace. So, this is enviable because many of us, we wake up in the morning and we go do our job, but we don't know what we're supposed to be doing. We don't know if we're doing what we're supposed to be doing. And we just kind of go and we just kind of do it. Some of us dredge it and some of us, uh, you know, put our, our, our heels in the sand. Some of us wish we would have gone a different direction in life. And that's not everybody. I'm thinking it might be the, the audience of people that, that, uh, that, that listen to this, um, this podcast. That's not everybody. You know, I am no longer in the 40 club. I was, I was informed that I am now pushing 50. Pushing 50. I'm in midlife, baby. I'm in midlife, baby. It's like going to Cedar Point and getting on a roller coaster and being at the top of the tippity tip of that roller coaster. It's all downhill from here. Is that that's what they say? That's what many of them say. I I can't 100% agree with that. I don't want to think that because this is the only life I got and I want to get the most out of it as possible. I don't want to just look at my life behind me like going down the roller coaster. I I think there's still other hills to climb and and that's what I'm looking at. But besides that, Anywho, this person's enviable because they get up in the morning and they know what they are supposed to do. And then they have the freedom and the beauty in that freedom. They know what they're supposed to do and then they do it. They do it. They do it with, without, a, they just, they do it without any inhibitions. This guy gets these pallets, stacks them up around his property, and that's another thing. He stacks them high on this truck. So let's just say he does stack them, right? So we're not talking, you know, a, a four or five on the back of his, we're talking like 12, 15 pallets on the back of his pickup truck. These are not small pieces of wood. These things are heavy. If you've ever, ever lifted a pallet or have had the, the uh, oh gosh, all right. There's a school bus, they had the yellow lights on, but he wasn't stopping quite yet, so. 
<clears throat> so anyways, if you've ever lifted a pallet, you know they're not they're not light, they're heavy. And this guy has somehow managed to stack them like 12 feet high on the back of this little pickup truck, which is very impressive. He could possibly get help with someone who has like a crane system or something. Okay, we got the garbage guy. We're gonna take it easy here. All right, all right, we're good. We got the garbage guys. I'm hitting everybody because I'm a little early. I'm not used to the our garbage guy. I'm not used to running into the, the, the bus, the deer. That's a normal thing. You know, that just happens here in PA. But anyways, here we are. The guy stacks them pretty high on the back of this pickup truck. So one, he's he's either got a crane system, or two, or two, he's getting on top of a ladder, which is not feasible, I don't think. You couldn't lift a pallet and then climb up a ladder. Unless you were, like, this guy must be huge. I Like I said, I have not seen him. He might be gigantic. He might be a gigantic man. He might grab these pallets with one hand and lift them two or three at a time. I have no idea. It's, I have no idea. The theories, people. Or somehow he just freaking muscles up and he believes in what he's doing so much that he just simply finds a way. He finds a way to do it because this is his, this is what he has decided and determined is his purpose and he just does it. And I don't know how he does it. I, I would it, it, it makes me think of the pyramids. It makes me think of Solomon's temple. How do they move the stone like they did in Jerusalem? How did they move these huge pieces of stone? Maybe there's an army, maybe there's a small family of pallet gatherers. Maybe it's not just one person. I thought maybe he has, like, I don't know, the three or four different uh, families living with him that all go out and they retrieve these pallets at points in different times. And the pickup truck with the pallets on it is just a, uh, a, a prop. Because I always see it with, with, with pallets on it. Sometimes higher, sometimes lower. I think maybe I might have seen it before without any pallets on it. I've definitely been there where there was no pickup truck. No pickup truck. Oh, now we got construction. Hold on. We got construction. Construction guys always look at you like, I don't know. I feel like they always look at me like I'm doing something I shouldn't be doing. Like, technically speaking, I've been driving through here long before you guys were standing on the side of the road tearing it apart if anything I'm looking at you like you don't belong here you're an outsider what do you do when you see the flag guy do you wave I've heard that sometimes people that they wave and the people get distracted and then they wind up getting hit and killed I don't want to be responsible for the flag guy dying that would be a horrible situation I like to avoid as many horrible situations as possible. I don't like the feeling. It makes me feel it's very uncomfortable. I like to avoid uncomfortable things. Most of us do. That's why we buy really expensive beds because we know we're going to spend seven to eight hours lying in it. So why would we be uncomfortable while we're doing it? 
if we can afford a better bed, then we will make sure that we we provide ourselves, we get ourselves a better bed because we want to be comfortable. This pallet guy, I'm telling you what, we, we're going to have to, we'll continue this. I've never talked about the pallet guy. Never told you guys about the pallet guy. It's very interesting to me. I'm very intrigued. I want to interview the pallet guy. I thought about calling the police. Whoop! Uh-oh. Never trust a snitch, right? I thought about calling the police, but not because he's doing anything wrong. Just because I just, I, I, well, I thought, well, this is my thought. My thought was calling the police about the shopping carts. Only because I just, I feel like, am I the only person that sees this pallet guy? Nobody talks about him, but everybody knows about him. But nobody talks about him. Nobody mentions him. I thought about contacting that or that hoarding uh, TV show and, and because this guy hoards. That's what he's doing. He's hoarding pallets. It's very singular. Like I said, single cell organism. It's very singular, very simple. You have one point and purpose today to leave the house is to gather as many pallets as possible for Pallet Palace. Does he have pep talks? Does he look himself in the mirror and tell himself that he is the best pallet pal gatherer in the world? What is it that makes this person tick? I'm a psychology guy, okay? I love sociology, the study of, of social groups, the study of the mind. It, 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 it's not too far-fetched for me to be thinking these things or wondering these things. My wife says to me while, I, while, I, while, I'm, while I'm sitting there at the dinner table pondering and, and zoning off, what are, you, what are you thinking about, you know? And I'm like, uh, I'm thinking, should I get some more mashed potatoes? I'm simple like that. It's nothing crazy. What are you thinking about? I'm thinking about sitting down. That's it. That's all I'm thinking about. I'm just thinking about going to sit down. That's it. I, but I do have these other thoughts. I do have these. What do you think about? I'm thinking about Pallet Guy. What is Pallet Guy doing right now? Is Pallet Guy sleeping? Or does Pallet Guy get up so early in the morning before anybody even knows and gather his pallets? Does Pallet Guy work 10 hours a day to gather these pallets? He might be the hardest working person I know. Retrieving these pallets. Oh, I tell you, I feel good. Okay, I want to tell you, you you know, I've been dealing with TMJ or Templar Mandibular Joint dis, dis, Dysfunction for quite some time. And it has caused a lot of heartache and pain in my life. And recently, I, I made the plunge and uh, my wife has been telling me, you should get a pillow. You should blah, blah, blah. So I finally got a pillow. I got my face pillow. Okay, it's on Amazon. I don't plug many things. I really don't plug a lot of things at all, but it's called My Face Pillow on Amazon. I got the large size, okay? It was like 70 bucks. This thing has been a freaking investment, and I'm telling you, I could not be more satisfied with it. Absolutely, 100%, hands down, if you are having neck issues, jaw issues, back issues, I suggest you purchase this pillow. It's called My Face Pillow pillow get yourself a satin case pillow satin pillowcase because it's like a memory foam type of deal and memory foam heats up on your back of your neck and, and what have you it's called my face pillow now it says it's about anti-aging anti-wrinkling or whatever i don't care about any of that i mean i'm not going to say i don't care about uh, obviously anti-aging and, and whatever and i think wrinkles are kind of cool i used to have issues with wrinkles but now i'm like okay they're their wrinkles and I and I earned them. I earned those freaking wrinkles. I wouldn't hide my scars that I earned when I used to skate. Why would I hide the wrinkles? That doesn't make sense to me. I earned these. I lived on this freaking, uh, you know. Some of us think it's God forsaken. I think it's God blessed planet. 
and I've dealt with a lot of crap in my life. I've earned these freaking wrinkles. Why would I put something on my face to make them go away? Now I understand, whatever, I don't get it. For guys, somehow, you know, people like uh, Clint Eastwood, well, I don't, he's he's kind of getting a little too wrinkly. He's a little over the wrinkle. He's like the, he's past Sharpe cutie wrinkle. He's more like, uh, you know, raisin in the sun type of wrinkled thing. But we, you, wrinkles, we don't want wrinkles on women because, particularly guys, because we just, we just, we have a visual thing and we see a woman and you know, there's a beauty. There is a beauty. I've seen some women that do have the wrinkles, but most of the time we don't want wrinkles on women. And I'm just keeping it honest. I keep it a buck. But on guys, it's okay. We're okay. We're accepting. And you know, and we're so we're so two faced in that. We're hypocritical in that. But it's because guys don't see us. You know, we're not. You know, I mean, obviously, if you're a homosexual and you see a guy, then you're you're looking at him in a different way than I look at that person. So maybe perhaps for you, you don't want to have wrinkles on a guy either. I don't know. But we don't like to think that someone's getting old. We don't like to think that because we know that inevitably they get old, they die, right? And we like to think that whatever it is, if I'm going to put myself and time into this, then I'm going to invest in it and it's going to last. It's going to last a long time. Why would I spend time on a relationship that isn't going to go anywhere? Especially if, if, if the relationship is going to lead to the grave in a, in a very short time. Like, why would I do that? Why would I endure that kind of feeling? It, it, it wouldn't make any sense, right? So, uh my face pillow is anti-aging, anti-wrinkle, but I'm telling you, it's also anti-fatigue for your neck, for your jaw, for your back. Now, only if you're a back sleeper and a side sleeper, not a stomach sleeper. This is not for stomach people. If you're a stomach sleeper, freaking sleep on your stomach and enjoy the world, okay? It's like the life is, a, is an apple pie with, uh, with ice cream, unless you're lactose intolerant, and then, of course, that's not going to be a great trip for you. But if you're a side sleeper and a back sleeper, I highly suggest, can I go? You look at Ari looking at me because you never know. So I highly suggest this pillow. Seventy dollars, well worth it. Get the twenty dollar uh, uh, satin pillowcase because satin cools the memory foam down and doesn't feel warm on the back of your neck, and it is fantastic. And I and I've received like eight emails from the guy or or female. I don't know who. I think it was a guy. Anyways, they it's a family owned business, and this guy cares so much. He sends me this email. And uh, I wasn't sure if it was legit as far as this email. I didn't know if it was like a cut, cut, you know, cookie cutter type of thing, copy and paste situation. And so he sends me this email, and uh, and and you know, I, I, I was, I was happy to get an email because I was also I ordered something else from someone on Amazon, and this person did not respond to me. They did not send me an email, and I responded to them and said, look. I didn't get the product that you sent me. This is a different product. I ordered a microphone. Didn't get the product that you sent me, and and I'm not happy. And you need to make it right. And they never contacted me. They never emailed me back. But this guy by this time has already emailed me three times. My Face Pillow, fantastic company. They emailed me right. Now I decided, you know what? I'm gonna. See, is this person real or is this person, you know, is this person uh, a f- fake or, or whatever? So I decide, I'm, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to reach out. And uh, find out, you know, for myself. And uh, so I asked some specific questions that this person would have to answer in a, a certain way. 
and I got the email back, and sure enough, those those answers were there. They they answered my specific questions. So I realized this is a real person taking the time out to see if I enjoy their product. Now, when's the last time you had somebody do that? It's one thing to be like, okay, I bought the product, and now you deal with it. You bought it, so you this is what you have. This is what you've got. So this is where it is. But it's another thing where you buy a product, and then they say, "What did you think?" On, on online, not in a store, but online. So how was that? You know, you can buy a car and they'll be like, hey, how's the car going for you, you know? But online, and here they are asking me, what do I think, and blah, 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 blah. And then next thing you know, they're like, well, hey, we can send you another pillowcase, you know, and we'll give you 5% discount. I'm not even saying I'm unhappy with the product, but he's just sending me crap, right? Just sending me this stuff, which is all good. It's not junk mail, it's legit. So if you got issues with your neck, with your back, you sleep on your side or your back. I highly suggest the My Face Pillow, 100% hands down, $70 with a satin pillowcase, another 20. You got 90 bucks, 100 bucks out the door. Well worth it. I would not be talking to you at the speed or the 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 I don't know the the feeling good. You know, I didn't take any medicine. This is just me out the box. I wouldn't be talking to you like this if I had a crappy sleepy night. I did not. Hold on. Uh, so that's what it is. My face pillow. Thanks you for listening to the drive home. I hope you enjoyed the episode today. As always, I hope you know where you're going on the drive home.